Welcome back to episode five of Tradish with Mary Rook. Okay, so America has obviously been in like a bit of a doom cycle lately, and it's not even really lately, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. It's been the last 10 years of our lives. We've been kind of living under this doom of, you know, the broken down economy, the crazy housing market. How are we, how are millennials and Gen Z going to be able to break into these stereotypical adult activities with the zero money that we have in our pockets? So, with all of that being said, a blast from our childhood past is coming back. Creed has decided to make a reunion tour. They say their fans have been begging for it. It's time from July until September 2024. People can go out, get tickets, and relive those glory days of the 90s, which is really hilarious because when we were growing up, we used to say, Oh, man, if only we can recapture the beautiful, you know, America first type of um, living that we experienced in the 50s and 60s. If only we can experience those those glory days where everything was easier and and no one had any strife. And now here in 2024, we're like begging for the strife that we had back in 1990s because it was much easier than what we're going through today. Um, the lead singer of Creed, his name is Scott Stapp. He released a statement. He said, I feel like I'm as strong as I've ever been vocally and looking forward to sharing the stage with the guys again. The fans have clearly let us know that it ha- that they feel it's long overdue. I want to give them the- what they deserve. I'm ready to bring it back. He's going to be um, leading Creed. They're going to be touring together. Bands like Three Doors Down, Daughtry, Switchfoot, Tonic, Big Wreck are all going to join Creed on stage. Um, it, it just feels like at this moment in time, America is back. I want to spend some time today talking about Karens and how this whole name got started. During COVID, there was a woman who would sit behind a cash register or walk next to you at the grocery store or walk through the park with you and be screaming at you to put a mask on. Are you vaccinated? Don't you know who you're going to kill? All of these animated, you know, accusations of trying to murder someone through their anti-COVID adherence has all of a sudden turned into you're not allowed to complain about anything. The, The woman that would go up to your cashier and say, hey, your bathroom's dirty. Hey, your countertop's dirty. Hey, I expect this level of service from your company. She's been beaten out of society because we no longer wanted to be told that, you know, some random person walking up to you in the street, these two things are very different. And yet they're being conflated into this one thing. For example, when Kelly Stafford's was family was at the um, L.A. Chargers game. So her husband is a quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. He used to be the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. And he also used to be the quarterback for the Highland Park um, football team in Texas. And we used to play against them in high school. And they definitely killed us so bad regardless. So they, um, she was there, she had some nephews there and her older daughter was there. And apparently Blueface decided this would be the best opportunity. He rented a suite inside the stadium and he brought a bunch of women with him, including his girlfriend, now fiance. Um, her name is J- uh, Jaden Alexis, which is great. So they were there in the suite and all of a sudden these women start pulling their pants down and they start dancing and they're showing off. They're practically naked. I mean, they have thongs on, but other than that, everything else is showing and they're dancing and he's throwing ones at them. And so is his now fiance throwing ones. 
So apparently what happened was this guy who his rapper name is Blueface, but his real name is Jonathan Jamal Porter. So let's just remember that these people are constantly changing their names because they have such normal names. They have to be like this character of their their own personal self. So regardless, Blueface was there and um, she decides to go on her podcast and talk about how disgusting this behavior was. She said, my nephews who are older have Instagram. They were at the game and they were like, oh my gosh, look what's going on here. They found it, she said. And my daughters are sitting right next to them. They're like, mommy, there's a lot of butts here. And she's like, butts? What are you talking about? Where, where are the butts? And then it got sent to her and she was like, oh, so now my daughters have seen that. That's not okay. And it's not okay that my nephews have seen that. And... um. She said, it's just a little disappointing and makes me not want to take my kids to the game because I'm like, what's going to happen next? Blueface decides that he doesn't really care. So Blueface obviously takes offense to what she says, obviously meaning that every person in this world takes offense to everything these days. And they always think everything that you say is directed towards them personally, as opposed to it being a remark about the low standards of the game. Of course, Blueface is going to be the mark of what Kelly said, only because he is promoting degenerate culture that's ruining our society. So he gets mad, and this is what he says back. Matt, who's talking about Matt Stafford, and he's, so he's addressing Matt directly, and he says, Matt, get your wife before I get disrespectful. Karen on here, shaking my head. I paid for the suite. If I wanted you in the suite, Kelly, I could have paid for that as well as your nephews and daughter have seen worse on Instagram as they're already on there. Welcome to LA. Hey, guess what? <laughs> like, that's not okay, Blueface. Just because kids can access this stuff on different places on the internet does not mean that they, can, that they are. And you are now opening these children up to degenerate culture that is telling them that women should be treated as a commodity, a sexual commodity, and only that. And that men, they have to debase themselves by sitting there and encouraging it. You're buying women and you're having them in front of children pull their pants down, expose themselves, and you're throwing money at them. And you think that that's not going to have a negative effect on children, that it's not going to be any worse than seeing it on Instagram. At least Instagram, there's a disconnection of real life. Like there's a way for you to say, this isn't real. This is fake. This is, you know, made up for clicks. This is made up for views and all that kind of stuff. But to look over at the suite right next to you and to see something like that go on, it is going to have a negative effect on them. One, men, these boys are going to grow up to be men and they're going to see women as a sexual commodity instead of something that they should be cherishing and something that they should be protecting. Here's a guy and he had like three or four girls there and his fiance was throwing dollar bills at them too. Like the whole thing was so disgusting and it creates this opportunity when he writes back and he says, oh, we've got a Karen here. Like she's just overreacting. Like it's the same thing as some woman running up to you at the park and being like, you're on the playground. You're outside without a mask on. You're going to kill everybody. No, that's not the same thing. What she's doing here is she's protecting her nephews and she's protecting her children and she's also protecting everyone else who doesn't want to be a part of your degenerate life. Okay, so you and your fiance love going to strip clubs. There are actual places for that. There are actual houses of ill repute where you can go to and women can do whatever you want, but it's about a fetish, right? It's about showing everybody in the world that you can buy women. And, and that part of our culture has to be over. We've got to have strong men that stand up and say no. Like, I'd love for Matthew Stafford to come out and be like, no, bro, you're gross. Like, I don't need to tell my wife to do anything. She's right here. You shouldn't be at the game with strippers. 
you're you and your fiance shouldn't be throwing money and naked women and pretending like this is somehow great for the culture like there are kids in Tulsa Oklahoma with your same skin tone that can't read do you care about that do you care that they probably know every lyric to your song and they know that like this is now okay like they think this is now okay this is how how people should be living this is how all of a sudden these kids like just gonna grow up and be like oh no that's bad no they look to their peers they look to the people running our society and they say what are they doing and they start modeling after them if all they have are people like blue face i mean our society is going to be going downhill continuously until we have people willing to stand up and thank god for people like kelly stafford without her i mean no one would have said a word it would have been some blurb on a couple different conservative websites about how crazy this is but nothing else like what other mainstream voices standing up we're in la and there are, you know, thousands of so-called celebrities there, people that that own our culture, that are pushing for what our children are going to be seeing. And yet you have no one else standing up. Kelly Stafford's the only one there on her own. It's sick. And until we change that aspect of our society, until we decide that our kids deserve better than that, this is this is what we're turning into. It's a society of degenerate culture where when one woman stands up and says, no, we're not going to do this anymore, a man looks back at her and says, sit down, be quiet. Where are the rest of the men standing up and telling Blueface to shut up? Where are they telling him to sit down? It's time. There's nothing more delusional than a group like Queers for Palestine or any other LGBT group going out and supporting like what's going on in the Middle East as far as like being a supporter of Palestine. Do they not understand that those people will murder them the second they get the chance? Like they're not supporters of your movement. In fact, the UCLA Williams Institute and in 2021 Global Report on LGBT acceptance rated Israel out of the Israel-Palestine conflict. Israel got a ranking of 44 out of 175 countries or territories that they examined. But when they came to look at Palestine, it was 130 out of 175. So when these groups are protesting, they're literally protesting against the country that would be more accepting, more loving, and more kind to their cause. And yet for some reason, they're, you know, they, they see conservatives supporting Israel probably, and they're going, nope, we got to do the exact opposite. If, if conservatives like it, we must hate it. So and Palestine came in behind Russia, Saudi Arabia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, according to, all of, according to the um, UCLA Williams Institute. That's insane. We're talking about Saudi Arabia, who we know for a fact they've thrown gay people off the top of buildings. And, and yet... Palestine came in worse than them, and yet we have people in the street. You have to watch this video. In Italy, for example, there was a group, I, I don't know if it was Queers for Palestine, but it was definitely an LGBT group, and they were supporting Hamas and Palestine com uh, over like the Israel and the conflict. Okay, so he watch this video. You see how the woman is standing there? She takes all of her clothes off. She exposes herself. And then she's running around with the flag. 
And honestly, I can't tell if it's a woman or a man. They've got facial hair, but they kind of have those weird breasts that are like, you know, estrogen caused breasts. And so it's it's very hard to look at someone these days and figure out what is even happening because everybody is so screwed up. But anyways, this person is dancing in the street and they've got the Palestine flag and they're dancing all over it. And all I can think about is that video that got released recently where you had the leader of Hamas coming out and saying, don't come here. You're not you're not going to we'll murder you in the street, essentially. So um, Amnesty, Amnesty International's 2020 report on human rights highlights that the criminalization of male same sex relationships in Gaza is punishable up to 10 years imprisonment with a conspicuous absence of legal protections against anti LGBT discrimination or harassment. The lack of civil rights has led to a bunch of gay and bi-Palestinians having to get um, special protections and travel into Israel. And in fact, infamously, there was a 25-year-old Palestinian gay guy. His name was Ahmad Abdu Mahariya, I believe. He was kidnapped and beheaded after escaping and making it into Israel as um you know, as a, an asylum seeker, the Hamas terrorists took him from Israel and beheaded him and killed him because he was gay. And and yet we have people marching in the street pretending like this is a normal thing for them to be doing. Like it is utterly insane for any gay or LGBT person to be su- more supporting Hamas or Palestinians. It, on the surface of it all, it, it, it's crazy. But to... To see and and know that these people will 100% take action against them, and yet they're storming the streets, calling Jews colonizers, and saying anyone that's supporting them is murdering Palestinians. It's it. This part is where uh, normal Americans veer very differently from the progressive left because we can see this for what it is. We can see we can see both the narratives. We can see that the right neo-hawks are trying to drag us into world war three we can see that they're trying to take our tax dollars and give even more to israel we can see they're going to empty out you know our military supplies in order to be able to send them over all of that stuff is clear and evident we have been through this before but what progressives don't see is that you know in america you can protest and you can do all of these things and and you can speak freely and and tell Every single group, how much you hate them, as much as you want to, and nothing is ever going to happen to you. You're you're not going to lose your job, or you shouldn't. You're not going to find your way out of the cool kid club. All of that stuff is protected in America. But go to Palestine. Go to Gaza right now as a gay man from California and find out whether or not they're going to be supportive of you. Find out if it's really harder in, you know, Southern America than it is in Gaza. The, the, the insanity behind all of it is just hilarious. So there was this great Reddit post about it. And um, this person goes, it is utterly insane for these people to be supporting Hamas or Palestinians. Insane, but it also makes sense on the surface because people who are members of marginalized groups tend to gravitate to other marginalized groups. And this comment this guy named d brow 243 thinks that palestinian hamas terrorists are a marginalized group so you already know that this is not coming from a conservative writer or conservative speaker because in no way shape or form is someone with any type of intellect going to inflate 
Hamas with marginalized people. But this is why some queer people are terribly misguided, even though they believe that supporting Hamas is a good thing, this guy says. Hamas does not share any Western values that we hold dear, such as women's rights, Native American rights, Black Lives Matter, social justice and civil rights, and separation of church, religion, and state. Hamas only believes in Islamic Jihad and establishing a theocracy. Hamas only believe in serving Allah and their extreme version of Islam. Hamas does not support any queer existence and believes every queer person should be put to death, period. For everything a queer person chooses to believe in, it is always paramount to know that you are support what you are supporting. Just because a marginalized group is marginalized doesn't mean that they have all the same values as other marginalized groups. This isn't about standing up to the Israeli government or Israel policies in relation to Palestinians. This is about recognizing that Israel is the only sanctuary in the entire Middle East where queer people can live with their identity. Israel may not have gay marriage legal, but Israel does recognize any gay marriage made anywhere in the world. Tel Aviv holds one of the world's largest pride festivals annually, and there are many queer Arabs that are living in Israel as refugees because they would be killed if they went back to their home country. These are all facts, the guy says. Well, I would hardly call Palestinian terrorists marginalized people. I mean, they are committing acts of terror against a country, and Israel has every right to defend themselves. And, you know, it's not... It's not to say that Israel should be allowed to target innocents, but Hamas is literally holding all of their military installations inside innocent places of worship, schools, hospitals, all of these things. And it's one of the, you have to be able to root out the bad guy. And sometimes casualties happen. And it's not that they matter any less or that they're any less tragic because that is not the case. Of course, every death is tragic and every human life has dignity. And we should be protecting that and uplifting that. And if that's what they were protesting in the street, if they were protesting for, you know, human life and human dignity to be brought back into our society, then I would be patting them on the back, making them sandwiches, sending them off with a Coke and being, hello, good job, well done. But that's not what's happening here. These people are conflating every issue together. You can see them walking with their signs that are like, queer rights are Palestine rights, BLM reproductive rights, they're all the same. None of that's the same. None of it is. Unless you are admitting that to be on the side of Palestine and to be on the side of abortion and to be on the side of BLM and to be on the side of reparations is anti-human. If if that's what these people are doing, if they're going in the street and they are admitting the fact that they are being anti-human, then fine, let's go. Go out in the street. Support Palestine, support Hamas all you want to. But that's not what they're doing. They believe they're, do- they're, they're, you know, fulfilling some social justice role where everything is great and everybody's inclusive and everybody gets along, but that's not the reality of the world. People have different views and beliefs on things, and that's okay. It is okay for you to disagree with people. It is okay for you not to follow along with the mainstream narrative. And if you don't want to support Israel, if you don't want to do all of those things, you also have that right here in America. But do not for a second think that as a queer for Palestine, you can go out and go to Gaza and have the same exact reception as you would in L.A. and in Italy and any of these Western countries. Never. They'd kill you. 
They'd throw you off a building and they'd say, sayonara, pipsqueak, you aren't one of us. Because that's what people like this don't understand. When you start to group all these different sensitivities and all these different, you know, people that feel like they're marginalized together in one thing, it gets jumbled and no one is protected at that point. Now it's time for another segment of It's All Trans to Me. Ma'am. It is ma'am. So have you ever heard of the word dog coded? Well, this guy is going, his video is going all over Twitter right now. He has white fluffy ears and long curly hair. And it, like the ears have like little earrings out of them. And he's wearing a dog collar. He obviously is looking very feminine, but it's still clearly a man. He identifies as a female trans puppy. And the video is insane, but it's clear that he's created this reality in which he demands all of his friends abide by his little social cues. He calls them being dog-coded. So he'll say things to his friends like, oh, do you scare away a squirrel or a bird? That's dog-coded. Oh, do you hate high-pitched noises? That's dog-coded. No, sir, it's literally just being called a human being. Whatever. So here's the video. My friends a bit ago described me as dog-coded, which became like my favorite thing ever, and now I can't stop using it. Specifically, I love pointing out when my friends do something dog-coded. You scare a bird away, dog-coded. You dig a big hole while we're at the beach, dog-coded. I- not the sun in my face, hold on. Or like, I collect bones, which is an extremely dog-coded hobby. I was telling one of my friends that I literally have a squirrel buried somewhere that I need to unbury for the bones, and they were like, you're- you're literally a dog. Dog-coded is for the things a little less obvious than me wearing a collar and ears. Like, if you don't like high-pitched noises, dog-coded. I have a very dog-coded yawn, like I squeak. Taking yourself on a little walk when you're stressed is dog behavior. Clearly, my objective in entering your friend group is to expose and convert all the puppies. I entered the chat and oops, we're all dogs. If you've ever had cheese by taking a bite straight from the block, that is dog-coded. I shave the sides of my hair short, so I call them my little puppy spots. If you're walking faster than your friend group and you look back over your shoulder and smile at them to make sure they're behind you still, dog-coded. As you can see, the guy's you know, obviously very self-absorbed and he's eating out of a dog bowl with a spoon because he's got opposable thumbs and he can do that unlike an actual dog because he's human. Anyway, so he's sitting there and um, he's telling about all of these great things about being dog-coded and how all of his friends are aligning and he just loves to open up everybody's viewpoints on on what it means to be a, pu a trans puppy and how he's female and all of these things. And then here's the kicker. He says the quiet part out loud. He says, clearly, my objective when I enter your friend group is to expose and convert all the puppies. They want to make more of themselves. That's exactly what this is all about. He says, clearly, my objective when I enter your friend group is to expose and convert all the puppies. Like, he wants to go in. He wants to take your mentally ill friends, the ones that are self-conscious about themselves, the ones that are feeling bad about themselves, and he wants to turn them into, you know, another one of him because no one can be happy in this ideology. They all have to be miserable. All right, next one is Sam Smith performing in Seoul, Korea. I hate to even bring attention to Sam Smith because he's such a waste of a cause and such a lost man, but his shows in Korea and other places are being performed in venues that don't have an 18 or plus um, option for children, so children are definitely allowed to go into. And he's standing on stage with, of course, like everybody has seen, the ex nipple pasties, and um, he's like completely bare chested. He's got these black bedazzled underwear on with these 
um, fishnet stockings and he's just gyrating all of the, it's, to me, it is honestly the most unappealing performance I have ever seen in my life. I don't even see how people can find this kind of stuff attractive if you, if you are into it. It reeks of like demonic degeneracy. And when you think about it, like children are allowed to be there and yet we're allowing this to happen is such an insane part of our culture. We used to have common decency laws and like exposure laws that would prevent some of these kinds of things from happening around children, but it's just insanity. So anyways, look at him right now. There's, there's nothing that is going to bring Sam Smith back into the middle of America now and be able to sell tickets to people who are living in the suburbs. How could someone want to go and take their children to something like that? It's insane. Okay, now moving on to the last thing. Libs of TikTok found a lecturer at the Asian American Studies program at the University of Maryland. And this guy, his name was Jim Doss, G-E-M-D-A-U-S, Jim Doss. We need to find this guy. We need to make him famous because the reality is he was presenting a dildo to the class. He's supposed to be talking about Filipino history. And the class subject was Filipino history with regards to Asian American sexuality. And in it, he brings out this neon yellow dildo. And he goes, oh, it's six and a half inches. That's about average size. Then he starts to go in about how a student came up to him after class and took the dildo and put his hand on it and shaped it around his hand and measured it. This is the degeneracy that we're teaching children. We really like this isn't children. Obviously, these are college age students, but it goes in line with the fact that every you, what you thought your child was going to go in and learn more about their Filipino history. No, they're going to get neon dildos instead. Like, that's where academica, academia is right now. That's the level of what you get at the, somewhere like the University of Maryland. You get a neon yellow dildo and the guy explaining that six and a half inches is average size. Embarrassing. Okay, just a sad day in Vienna. Apparently, the city of Vienna, Austria, just unveiled its almost $2 million water fountain sculpture that it commissioned to celebrate um, the 150th anniversary of the spring water being in the town. It's everything you could imagine. It's the worst sculpture you can possibly think of to celebrate. We're talking about Vienna, Austria, where some of the most beautiful architectural structures are. We're talking about real classic beauty that spans hundreds of years where everyone walking by can objectively say, this is a beautiful work of art. Whether it's a building, a statue, a monument, it doesn't matter. We used to create these beautiful things. And now we've got this water fountain. Okay, look at it. The city initially thought this water fountain was going to cost 2.1 million euros, but it came in under budget. Everybody was super happy about it. 
when you look at it, you can see why it came under budget. Do you see that the concrete, it literally looks like someone just threw slabs of concrete, like wet, and just kind of tossed it around and created these like human-like figures. They're not even really, you can't tell what, you know, if they're male or female or if they're adult or children or whether or not they're married or together. It's just block of humanoid 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 almost to the extent of like is this really how they see us is this really how the people running our government see us as these faceless monsters like circling the drain it's so depressing the mayor of um of vienna his name is michael Lukwig. he said he wrote on twitter 150 years ago the white the water pipe brought the best quality drinking water to us from the lower austrian alps the day marks Vienna's liberation from water shortages and epidemic epidemics such as cholera. The name of the anniversary fountain, and I, I'm going to butcher this. I think it's called um, Weir Wasser or Weir Wasser. I, you know, Germans are a bit weird or they're not German, they're Austrian, but they, they speak German. Um, the language is like a little bit weird, but it means we water in English. He said, um, the name of the anniversary fountain, We Water, stands for the responsibility that society bears for water. The structurally very demanding fountain was built in just eight months. My children could have made it in two. <laughs> the thing is, it lacks vision. And it lacks anything that shows that someone put any type of effort into it. Um, one user on Twitter called the fountain's design they said, the human language has no words to describe how hideous and ugly this thing is. Another asked if the fountain was surrounded by aliens, because that's what it is. It's just devoid of human nature. It's devoid of what makes us special. And it just speaks to the fact that these people do not care about beauty anymore. Our world is lost. We have the, this chance to, um, when we have these new projects like this come along, I mean, it's 150 years that they've been able to have the spring water. And of course, a water pipe is actually a pretty big deal. Getting run, I mean, we have cities in america where the water is not clean just ask all of those people in flint michigan if they're enjoying drinking water from the tap yet no nothing's been done about that so of course celebrating a water pipe such as this and and the um you know the advancements it brought their their city is a big deal and so when you're celebrating things you know as hefty as this you should be putting effort into making sure that it is one, makes sense for what you're celebrating. And two, that it is a classic beauty that can stand the test of time. I mean, it, that doesn't mean that it has to be pretty and dainty and feminine. There are plenty of structures like David that, you know, the thinker and, and Hercules and all these other marble structures that have been created that show um, that you can create masculine beauty as well. So it doesn't have to just be dainty. But our overlords just don't want that for us. They want us to live in these depressing hellscapes where you've got humanoid structures surrounding a fountain in order to, you know, uplift their new progressive view of the world. Like people matter. Human dignity matters. Seeing beautiful structures being put in your hometown, that's something that matters. And we should reject wholeheartedly the push for modern art anywhere in the public sphere, but especially in places like Vienna. Like, return to beauty. Let's get this, like, classical, 
art back into mainstream again so that people can enjoy life. You don't go to Rome so you can see some weirdo human structure. You go to Rome so you can see the beautiful fountains for the same reason you don't go to Vienna to see aliens circling the drain. These people have to be told no more. We're not going to be doing this anymore. We're going to be creating beauty again. And, and teaching our children that is is an important step and um, and, and building the ability to be able to have these new structures. And so for wasting opportunities such as this on something as ugly as aliens circling the drain, there at some point someone's got to push the stop button and then got to say no more. And this is it. This is our time. Let's do it. All right. Can Pearl Davis just stop already? She is that, you know, kind of infamous podcaster with pearly things. She is one of those red pill people that just hate everything about women and find them to be quite annoying. This latest thing that she has an issue with is 54-year-old Jennifer Lopez. So J-Lo posted this photo on Twitter and probably to all of her social media. And it's in this, she says it's date night. She's in a dress. It's gorgeous. It's like a neon green, lime green color. It has spaghetti straps. It has a little bit too low of a neckline for me, but she can kind of pull it off. And then the hemline on the skirt, it like kind of juts up a bit, but the, the skirt of the dress is very long still. So by today's standards, it's actually pretty modest, and especially for someone like J-Lo. Anyways, she has an issue with it. She says, will modern women ever put their sexuality away? This is a mother and a wife. And then in parentheses, she said, if she, is she still married? Because J-Lo has obviously famously been married several times and is kind of one of those women that is always searching for love. So anyway, so is she still married? Women of the past understood that over a certain age, and then she put in parentheses 30, it was time to dress more modestly. Why do modern women feel the need to lead with their sexuality even in their 50s? Because that is the social construct. For years, people like Pearl have demonized women who were married and said that they let themselves go. They said, oh, look at them in their mom jeans with their appliqued sweater and their big bouffant hair. Look at them. They're so out of mainstream. They aren't keeping up with popular culture. Look at the, what they're wearing. They're not wearing what all the celebrities are wearing these days. Well, guess what? JLo is just living up to that reality. For someone who demonizes women and tells them that they get fat and they let themselves go and they do all these things. And she says that all of that stuff should, that is permission for men to be able to go out as long as they're high value men. She said, someone who has a great job, they can provide a life for a family. Those men, if their wife gets overweight, if their wife is not wearing what is fashionable, she considers that letting go. And she also says that it's okay for women to um, be cheated on by these men. That there is no loyalty because they've allowed themselves to be let go and they're not respecting their husband. And so their husband has no reason to respect them. So here we have a very beautiful woman who not only has to fight the pressures of Hollywood, but also these insane pressures that people like Pearl put on marriage where these women have to like live up to a certain standard all of that stuff is happening and then you have j-lo who's going okay fine i'm going to live within the societal construct i'm going to look beautiful i'm going to present myself in a way that is desirable to everybody else when that happens she still has an issue with it can she just stop already there is a case to be made that maybe j-lo should be wearing 
you know, a dress that's less low cut than the one that she's wearing right now. Maybe the hemline is not exactly the where a 54-year-old woman should look, but she doesn't look like a 54-year-old woman. If she has had plastic surgery to any extent, it's been subtle and it looks great. She doesn't look too done up. She doesn't look poked and prodded. She doesn't look stretched within an inch of her life. She looks amazing, to be honest. I hope that I look like her at 54 years old. She's married. I bet you Ben Affleck is walking around going, yeah, that's my wife. She's gorgeous. Because that's how men should be. Especially with someone like J-Lo. If she's loyal and she's doing everything else in that regard and then she goes out in that dress with him, I think that's great. I think that they sh- that sh- her- I think that she should be making sure that she's attractive to her husband. And this has nothing to do with Pearl. And this is not to say that women should be going out and dressing like skanks and wearing thongs in public and doing all this kind of crazy stuff. No. We're not talking about going as low as Cardi B. These are very two different opposite ends of the spectrum. JLo looks beautiful. Look, she's in this green dress. She looks fantastic. Her body looks great. Who is Pearl to honestly say that she is, what did she put their, put her sexuality away? She wants JLo to put her sexuality away. Women like JLo, that's impossible. Okay. She just oozes sexuality. There are women like that. Other women have to work harder. I'm sorry, Pearl. I'm sorry you have to work harder at that. But the reality is, is that JLo looks great. And anyone that would go behind you and try and pretend like she doesn't look great is struggling for content. All right. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. All the show's notes can be found below. I'd love to hear from y'all. So please leave a comment while you're there. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you find us and check out my daily column at thedailycaller.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of Tradish with Mary Rook. You can find me on Twitter at Mary Rook underscore. That's at M-A-R-Y-R-O-O-K-E underscore. See y'all next week.